in yesterday. If, if you keep being stuck in yesterday, you're never going to enjoy today. So I encourage some of you, put your past behind you. Let it stay there because that's where it belongs. Amen? It kind of ties in. We'll get there in a minute. Y'all, let's give the Lord another hand clap of praise. Amen. Amen. Well, thank our dancers. Thank our praise team. Thank each and every one of you for being here on today. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, we honor you and give you thanks again for this great day that you have prepared. And God, we will continue to rejoice and be glad in it. And God, we thank you for this time that we come to sanctify and set apart to study your word. And we pray, God, that your word will go forth with power and authority. God, bless your word, not what I have to say about it. And God, I thank you for each and every person that's under the sound of my voice. I ask that you bless them, God, open our hearts and minds up to receive what you have in store just for them. God, not for their neighbor, not for anybody else on the side or behind, or even those that are not here, God, it's just for them. We acknowledge our online audience, God, and we say that we thank you for them, and we ask that you bless them as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Our statement of faith, this is my Bible. Is my it is the word of truth. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can. I'm a believer, and not a doubter. I'm a doer, and not just a hearer. I am humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I am mature in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Amen. All right, then, if you, you may be seated. Well, stand for the scripture reading. If you have your Bibles or whether or not you have it on a phone or in your hand uh, in a physical means, um, go to the book of Luke chapter 11, verse 8. Put your finger there, book of Luke chapter 11, verse 8. The Bible says, but I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake. Somebody say friendship's sake. Friendship. Though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking, somebody say keep knocking. If you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Amen? You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, this is going to uh, be our fourth and, uh, and final sermon in this series that uh, we've kind of introduced our theme of the year uh, with uh, this year of great persistence. And we've subtopic this message, the power of persistence. Amen? And we've been saying persistence is to continue firmly in an opinion or a course of action in spite of the difficulty, opposition, or failure. It also means to, is the unwavering commitment to do to, to a goal or a purpose despite the obstacles or setbacks. And I said in the Bible, you'll find that this word persistence is closely related to words like endurance, and we're going to see that today, uh, perseverance or steadfastness. Basically, this word is encouraging us to stick to whatever it is we start, to not give up or quit just because things get tough. Amen? Now, last week, we looked at uh, the woman with the issue of blood who persistently pressed her way through the crowd believing that if she could just touch the hem of Jesus' garment, she would be healed. Y'all remember that? And, 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 and her persistence paid off. And we close by looking at the persistence of a, a blind beggar, you know, who had heard that Jesus was passing by. And he persistently, 
you know, shout it out. Jesus, have mercy on me. He did that in spite of the opposition, in spite of the folks telling him to be quiet. And so instead of quitting, he started to shout even. You know, we had a good time with that little piece last week. You know, y'all shouted louder. You know what I mean? I, I enjoyed that. I still remember that like it was just, you know, just yesterday and it was last week. It was something about that shouting louder that stuck with me. And you know, the Bible says he immediately followed Jesus, praising him, and all who saw it praised God too. Amen? Well, today we're going to close out this series in the book of Philippians, our first Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, and when I get there, I'll read into your hearing verse 12 through 14. Familiar passage of scripture, but prior to this uh, passage, the apostle Paul was letting the Philippian believers know about his religious pedigree. He was telling them about his life as a Pharisee and, and, and how he advanced in the Jewish religion. He even made it known that he was a Hebrew Hebrew. In other words, he was trying to let them know a lot of our people are of mixed blood, but I'm a Hebrew Hebrew. In other words, both of my parents are Hebrews. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. You know, the other tribes broke away and that left only Benjamin and Judah, so we were considered a pure tribe. And, and, and I was a Pharisee. Not just any Pharisee, I was on my way to being the top guy. But one day I met Jesus. And when I had that encounter with him, I counted all that other stuff as dung, some of your Bible say. Y'all got to go look up the word dung and see what he means when he say just count it all as, some Bibles were nice, they call it rubbish, garbage. I like dung. You know, dung make a, give a whole different, he said he counted all that stuff, brother, for duty he was doing before that as dumb. All because he wanted to experience Jesus at a higher level. He wanted to experience Jesus to the point that he could identify, Brother Wilson, with the power of Jesus' resurrection. He said, hey, I want to know him so well that I can experience just what he went through when he was raised from the and, and, and that was his aim, that was his goal, that was his desire, is to be like Jesus to the point that he could experience his resurrection. But you know, when you start talking about that level of spirituality, some people don't understand, you don't get there without persistence. And, and even in his persistence, he was letting them know, Jesse, that, that he had not arrived yet. See, some of Paul's friends thought that because he was now following Jesus and writing these letters and doing all kinds of great things in the name of the gospel, they probably thought he had arrived. But he was letting them know that he was still on a journey and that he did not, had not arrived because he, has not, he had not perfected his race yet. He has not perfected his life yet. And what I need you to get to see today is that you have not arrived. I don't care how long you've been in church and I don't care what you've done. You may have led the greatest prayer meeting somewhere in the world, but you have not. And sometimes we think we have arrived. We think we are better than other people, but I've got news for you. You're still on a journey. You have not. 
And as long as you're in this life, you're never going to get to the level of perfection that we desire because some of that is only going to happen after you go. But, but while you're here, there are certain things you got to do, Finley, because you're still striving to get somewhere, but you can't let people hinder you, and definitely you can't let your past hold you back. And so this is what Paul was trying to let him know. He said, hey, look, I have not arrived yet, but one thing you know I have done. I don't put some stuff behind me. You know, let me read this to y'all. I, I think it's going to make some sense to you. And I'm in verse 12. He, he says, I don't mean to, sound, to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. Perfection in the Bible is talking about a sense of maturity, growing up to the fullness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He says, hey, I don't want y'all to think I'm there yet. I, I don't want you to think that I've gotten to the place with Jesus that I'm now fully grown. I'm still in the process. I'm still growing. I'm still striving. I'm still going toward that mark. But I want you to know I'm farther along today than I was yesterday. Yeah. And, and, and I got you to get you to see, he said, but, but I press on. Somebody say press on. press on. He said, I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ first possessed me. He said, look here, when I met Jesus on Damascus Road, he changed my Knocked me off the high horse because I was on my way to persecute some people. But once I met him, he put me on a different course, and I'm striving toward that proof. Because when he called me, it was a perfect call. There was nothing wrong with what he did, but there was still some stuff in me that had to be worked out. And I'm striving toward that perfection. I'm striving to be more and more like him because I realize at the end of the day, I want to arrive where he is. And in order to get there, I got to press on. Yeah. He said, I haven't possessed it yet. He says in verse 13, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But, somebody say but. But, but I focus on this one thing. Somebody say one thing. You know, it's hard to focus on 10 things. You know, in life, some of y'all out of focus. Because you're looking at two. You know, if you ever been a photographer, and you'll, you start focusing your lens, you normally get a better picture when you focus on one thing. one thing. Same way in life. You can't focus on too many things and think you're going to be what God called you to be. You got you to gotta change your focus and start focusing on one thing. Yeah. See, when you stay focused on one thing, you don't get distracted by all the others. And see, it's those distractions that's keeping you from being what God has called you to be. And it caused you to come out of you could be sitting right here in church right now, and you sitting here with 40, 60. You're just sitting here. You're just, you, you, you're just all out of You're here, but you're just out of us. And I'm, I'm here to get you back in focus. I'm here to turn the dials. Olivia said, is that better? Can you read the bottom line? Can you see that? I, I'm here to try to get you back to 20. 20, but I, I can't get you to 2020 if you still focus on yesterday, if you're still stuck in your past, if you're still being held up by what you did 10 years ago, what you did five years ago, and for some of what you did, the song didn't just say yesterday. Y'all thought they were talking about yesterday 20 years ago. I'm talking about yesterday, yesterday, as in last night. Ah, 
So he says, forgetting those, forgetting the past, and looking forward to what lies ahead. Now look here. You cannot effectively go forward and backwards at the same time. And you can't be focused on your future if you're still stuck in your So he says, I'm forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies. See, you know how it is sometimes when you, let me use y'all married folks for a minute. You know, you meet your wife, you come into a relationship, and you know, unless both of y'all were born perfect, you know, y'all got past. And see, you don't want to marry somebody that's going to always be looking at your Because if they can't get past your you're never going to enjoy the future with them. So what you need to do, young folks, before you get married, you need to reveal your past. You need to talk about with them your yesterday, and you need to let them know everything. <laughs> Everything, everything that's in your yesterday. Because once you come into this relationship, you don't need to be reminded about all of a sudden her name pop up in his phone. That was yesterday. And if you have been informed that that was yesterday, it won't affect your today and your tomorrow. Amen. But if you're still grappling with yesterday, if, if you can't handle your husband or your wife yesterday, then you probably should have never got married. Because that yesterday is going to hinder you from being where God wants you to be as a couple. Oh, y'all better hear me. I just figured out you, man, but that can be in anything. He says, forgetting the past. We all got a past. He says, forgetting the past and looking forward with a great expectation to what lies ahead. What's in front of you is more important than what's behind you. You know, I tell people all the time, and I heard somebody else say, this ain't me, but I think it's great. That's why your, your front mirror or your front window on your car is bigger than your rear view You don't need to see everything that's behind you. You just need to see the thing that's close enough to you to hurt you. So therefore, what's in front of you is more important. You don't need to run into somebody looking at something you done passed. Y'all better hear me today. You don't need to wreck your future by looking at your past. Amen. And you don't need to let nobody else wreck your future because all they're doing is looking at your... Oh, Lord, I wasn't supposed to say all that, but, you know, sometimes you got to get past your past. You can't allow it to be a barrier to your future. And you definitely can't allow it to be a barrier to your relationship with the Lord. Just like in a marriage, you know, Maybe a little bit more serious because God knows everything about you. Amen. And so knowing everything about you did not hinder his relationship with you. And so what I'm trying to get you to see is that you can't allow what you know about you 
and your past to hinder your relationship with him. The issue of relationship is never going to be on him. It's going to always be on and you have to see yourself now like he. And seeing yourself like he see you will keep you from seeing yourself like other folk. Y'all better hear me today. And so if you, if you cannot get beyond your past, if you can't get beyond looking back, you're never going to press forward to reach where God is trying to take you to go get you to go. Look at this. He says, now look at verse 14. He says, I press on. Somebody say, I press on. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ, is calling me. God is calling you upward, not backward. Amen. He's calling you forward, not behind you. And so therefore, there's a prize, and we believe that eternal life, and there's a, a prize in heaven waiting on us, and so therefore, our focus is upward and not downward. Our focus is forward and not backward. In other words, I'm focusing on what God has got before me, and I'm looking at the finish line, not the starting line. Too many of you are focusing on where you started from instead of where you are going. And where you started from is really not that important to God. It's important to him where you are. Where you're going. You're already beyond that. And if what's behind you is a, 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 a ball of confusion, he don't call you out of that confusion. If behind you is a life of mess, he don't call you Somebody say, I'm pressing on. You got to make that thing personal. I'm pressing on. And this race is not nobody's race but yours. And see, the thing about a race is that you can't run your race effectively by looking to your right or to your left or even behind. And I'm going to show you this here in the next passage because it's important for you to understand, you know, when I was, uh, I didn't run track, so I need to make that clear. but I was a trainer for the track team. I played football. But on track, we used to always tell the runners, never look to the side or behind you. Because that is not important. What's important is the finish line. And that's all you focus on, because if you think somebody's catching up with you, you glass back like this, you're going to lose something. You don't even know you done lost something, but every time you look back, you lose it. You're losing where you are from going from where you ought to be, and you're now caught and you're distracted by looking behind you. And that's for when you start looking here, you may run into something there. And so what I'm trying to tell you today is time out for some of y'all. You, you're trying to run to the door and all you... Man, you done passed them flowers. They ain't got nothing to do with your future. Amen. Y'all... I'm using these flowers, but y'all can put some people over there. Come on. I figure I can say people get a fame. I'm going to use them flowers. But you can just put whoever you want in your mind to represent those flowers. And every time you look back at them, you're taking your eye off the prize. And so Paul said, look, I'm pressing on. I ain't got time to be stuck at my yesterday. I ain't got time to be worried about all the things that happened yesterday. Yeah, that was some bad things that happened yesterday, but they're just a memory. And those memories now are no longer painful. Amen. 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 
Amen. And the reason you can't get past your yesterday is because when you look back at it, you still feel the pain of it. You mean you are still dealing with it. You still have not been delivered from your yesterday. And the way you get delivered from it is to keep your focus on what's in front of you and not what's God got more in store for you in front of you than what you left behind you. Amen? Somebody say, I'm pressing on. Now look, the writer of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12. This is a very familiar passage of scripture. Hebrews chapter 12. Now here the writer of Hebrews, uh, he was encouraging believers not to drift away from the faith. And, and, and what we see here is that in chapter 11, he had identified some heroes and sheroes or champions of the faith. And he used their story to inspire the believers here to persistently run their race. And life is sometimes depicted as a race. In this passage, uh, in this passage are some instructions that if followed will enable and empower you to persistently run the race that has been set before you. And, and you must realize that this life of faith, as it is depicted as a race, you got to understand you're not the one that's setting the course. You're not the one who is, you know, telling you to run with an endurance, and you're not the one who has set before you something. God is the one who has set your course before you. And it's up to you to run the course that has been set before you. Y'all follow me so far? Now look at this in, in verse 1 of uh, chapter 12. He says this, therefore, since we are surrounded, somebody say surrounded, surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to this life of faith. Let me talk about that just a minute. In order to bring that verse into focus, you really have to go back and read the previous chapter. And so this huge crowd of witnesses that we found in chapter 11, they're supposed to be an example for us, and they're supposed to inspire us to continue to run our race. I don't have time to go through the whole list, but I will highlight a couple of them. Is that all right with you all? And I encourage you to go back and read the whole chapter 11 after we finish today. But, but, but he said, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than his brother, Cain. By faith, he offered God something that was better than his brother. And by faith, you need to offer God something that is. By faith, Noah prepared an ark to save his whole household. And you know what? Noah had never seen rain. But God told him it's going to And he believed God versus the people who was around him. And it took him years to build that ark. But by faith, he trusted God. And because of that, he's an example for us. Sometimes you got to trust God before you see something. If you got to see it to believe it, you don't need faith for it. Faith is believing things that you don't see. By faith, Abraham trusted God and, and left his father's house and went to a promised land that he had not seen. You know, sometimes, you know, you got to move to a place. Y'all want to go check it out. 
you know, I'm thinking about moving to New York, but I ain't gonna just haul off and go to New York and move. I'm gonna go up there and check out New York. No, faith said, if the Lord told you to go to New York, you just gonna pack your stuff up and say, I'm going to New Because I'm trusting God, he done already seen New York. And he know if, he knows if he's telling me to go there, I can fit there and I'll do well. But by faith. That's got to be an example for some of you. God's trying to get you to step out to some things that's unknown to you, but you're waiting to see it. And once you see it, you don't need faith. By faith, Sarah conceived, Brother Wilson, and bore a child when she was way past. Somebody said way past. Not a couple months past. Not a few years past. But I don't even know what way past Today is. You know, ladies, that's something y'all got to know the answer to that. I ain't supposed to know the answer to that. But I'm pretty sure y'all understand way past. way past. And that's like you way past. And all of a sudden, floop, baby show up. Way past. Way past. Now, 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 in order to have faith, Brother Anthony, she couldn't just meditate on way past. She still had to act like she had the capability. And because she acted like it, even though her body was saying, you too old, you way. She trusted God. And y'all know the rest of the story. The Bible says, by faith, Moses led the people out of Egypt. And once they got out, they passed through the Red Sea on Good God Almighty, Anthony, you know the story. <laughs> By faith, Joshua and the people marched around the walls of Jericho. How many days? Seven days. Seven days they shouted, "By faith!" And the walls. Good God Almighty, it's time for somebody to just shouted some things in your life. You you've been walking around it long enough. You just need to shout some things out of your life. And I, oh Lord, don't get me started. You just you know sometimes you just. Oh, God, I ain't talking to everybody, but somebody. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. You've been walking around it long enough. You've been praying about it long enough. Now God said, you just need to shout some stuff down in your life. You just need to speak to it and, and say, be gone. I've been dealing with you long enough. It's time for you to just leave me alone. Good God Almighty, by faith. You know faith come by here. You've got to open your mouth sometime with the faith that you have on the inside of you. Seven days they marched around. Then the walls fell. The Bible says, by faith, Rahab. Uh Y'all know her. Yeah, Yeah, the the girl. The bad girl. Rahab. Uh Uh-huh. Even though she was a bad girl, Lisa, the Bible says she did not perish because she put her faith in God. And so when when they came back and destroyed the city, her and her whole household lived all because of her faith. And what I'm trying to tell you, your faith can help somebody else out. You just need to start trusting God, run your race in faith, and believe that you can bless people in your household because of your faith. You got to walk by faith in front of them and act like you believe the things you read in this Bible and start living it and believe that it'll impact some people around you. Time does not permit me to talk about all these other ones that was in chapter 11, but I encourage you to, to go back there and take a look at it. 
And so now I go back to you and try to make some sense out of verse 1. He says, therefore, we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Now that we got all these witnesses, now we have their testimony, now we've read their story, now that we know something about them, he says, now look, the first thing you got to do, man, once you get into focus what you got before you, you got to, somebody say, strip off. I don't have to be playing right there. Y'all know what strip off means. You know, in the natural. You know, yeah. You can't look at a movie right now and ain't somebody going to the strip off club. I mean, every time I look at something on, on Netflix, anything in there, everybody, it, you, it, it look like everybody want to go to the strip off, the strip off club. I'm, I'm saying like the Bible said, but, but 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 right now, I'm trying to get you to see, just like they take off some things in order for you to run your race, you got to take off some things, but for the good now. <laughs> I got to be clear because I want to say, oh, Pastor the Blessed, I can just go. <laughs> Pastor the Blessed, I heard it from his mouth up there on Sunday. He, no, I, I'm not talking about it like that. But he's saying that you got to strip off every weight that slow you down. There are some things that's holding you back that's not necessarily sin. Amen. There's some things that's keeping you from running the race that has been set before you. It's not necessarily sin. It's not do not do this, don't do that. It may be some things that's in your life that's taking up so much of your time, effort, and energy that you can't devote what you need to the God and to God. And therefore, you're not going to effectively run your race if you're still trying to devote 90% of your time to something else. You got to strip, strip off some stuff. You got some weights on you that's holding you back. You just got, just like a marathon runner, you never see them running around with no rucksack on their back. They ain't practicing to be special, special ops. They trying to run a race. They got 26 miles to run, and I don't need to run this life course that's set before me with all this stuff on my back. I got to, I got to strip off some things. And sometimes when you get saved and you get sincere, you got to strip off some folk. There's some people. If they're not in your life to build you up, they're in your life to tear you down. And you need to know, make sure, hey, look here, baby, I got to I gotta take you off. You know, I, I like you, but you, I got to defriend you right now. Because you're not working to my good. You're holding me back from where I'm trying to go. Every time I say something positive about the Lord, you got something negative to say. Every time I talk about it, I've been delivered from my past, you want to remind me of my past. You got to go. I got to... He says, every way that slow you down. Uh-huh. See, they don't necessarily stop you. That's what's deceiving. We think we're making progress because we're still chugging along. The weights ain't stopping you. They're just slowing you. You're supposed to be making by steps like this moving, and here you are. Y'all better widen your step. In order to do that, you got to strip off every weight that slow you down. Some of y'all are running in first gear. <laughs> you know, you you know, 
Y'all got a car, and most of you got automatics now. But you can put it in that little low gear. It look good to sit way down in your little L, look like that. But that L is not designed for you to drive 60 miles an hour. Y'all got to come off the L. The L is slowing you. You got to get up to somewhere you can go a little bit faster. Because now you're not going to win this race if you're being held back by that L. You were, you were built to run more than just in first gear. Amen. And so therefore, when you don't understand that, there's no way you're going to run like God wants you to run because it's going to slow you down. Then he says, especially the sin. So he talked about waste, but here he don't try to catalog every sin. The sin that easily trips us up. Here, specifically, he's addressing the sin of unbelief. Because that was the problem of these people. Their belief system was being attacked. And so therefore, you got to understand, unbelief is a serious sin. Because if you don't believe God is, there's no way you're going to come to him. He says that also in the same book of Hebrews. So he says, now look, you got to get rid of some weights, and especially the sin that so easily trips us up. There's some things in life that just easily tripping us up. But once you strip off, and then once you put aside the sin, then he says, now let us run within endurance. In, in other words, I got to run this race with stamina. This is not something, that, this life is not a dash. And I know at funerals we talk about that dash and make you think that, you know, but that dash, even though it's the same size, sometimes that dash can span 70 years. That dash can span 90 years. So, so what I need for you to get to see is that your life, as you run this race, is a marathon. Yeah. It, it is not a dash. You got to run it like it's a marathon. So you got to prepare for some hills and some ups and some downs. When you're preparing for a dash, it's a straight race. 100 meters, 220 meters, whatever they are running nowadays, it's a straight race. But when you're on a marathon, you run through cities. And sometimes you got to run up hills, down hills, on bad roads, good roads. Life is going to dish you all of that. Some days going to be good, some days going to be bad, some days you're going to be up, some days you're going to be down. But you got to remember, I am in a marathon, I am not in a dash. And if I keep running, things are going to get better because there's a finish line out there somewhere. I don't see it, but I believe it's there, and I keep pressing it. Y'all better hear me today. Stop living your life like it's a dash, a 100-yard dash or a 220-yard dash. Start living it like it's a marathon. You know, in a marathon, Brother Wilson, you can even stop and get you some water. Get you a little water. Start on back up. In a hundred yard dash, if you stop, the race over. Amen. Amen. So that's why he didn't use no dash to talk about your life. You got some time. Stop and get you a little water. But don't stay there at the water stand. They give you little cups. They don't give you quarts. You go there and take you a couple sips, and you get on back in the race. Some of y'all get there and want a gallon at the stopping station. You, you can't run. You're taking on too much weight. You just need a sip and keep on. 
So don't let your watering stations become your destination. Don't, don't, don't camp out <laughs> at the water station. I know if right now you're thirsty, your lips dry and all that, your tongue and all that's dry. But look here, that is not your destiny. It's only a stopping off point to get to where you're trying to. So you got to keep on running. You got to run with endurance the race that has been set before us, that God set before us, the endurance race that God has set before us. And look why he says it. And let us run with endurance the race God, who's set before us? God. Has set before us. He knows what course you're on, Brother Wilson. And he's not comparing your course to my course. All you got to do is run the race that has been set before you. You get in trouble when you try to run somebody else's race. Amen. Run the best race that you can run based upon what God has set before you. And you won't compare yourself to others who's on a different course. Because when you do that, you're going to find out there's some people that are outrunning you. Amen. 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 There's some people that stopped at the water and holding and move. And so we have a tendency to focus on the folks that didn't move and say, oh, I'm doing pretty good. At least I ain't stopped. Well, what about the guy who's going to pass you? So instead of focusing on anybody in front of you or behind you, run your race to the best of your ability and believe that God will reward you for running your race. Now look at this. In verse 2 he says, how do we do this? We do this by keeping our eyes on who? See, that's my focus. That's that mark, what Paul was talking about earlier. The writer of Hebrews kind of connect to that. He says, I keep my eyes on Jesus. Why? Because he is the champion who initiate and perfect our faith. In other words, he is the finish line. He is the one who started this. He's the one that established our faith, so therefore I look unto him. I don't look left or right. I don't look at Brother Herb, Brother Moses, Sister Robin, anybody else. I look unto he is the champion. Brother Herb is not the champion. Amen. Sister Robin is not the champion. Adrian is not the champion. Pastor Bowden is not the champion. You look to the, you want to paddle yourself after a champion, not a contender. Good God, I'm too many of y'all are looking at contenders that ain't never won nothing. They're just contending for the crown. But you need to look at somebody who done won the crown, somebody who has ran this race successfully, somebody who has overcome everything that you're going Jesus is the champion. He is the focus. When we come to church, the emphasis ought to be on him. Because he is the one who perfected our faith. Now look at this high good. He says, because of the joy awaiting him. Wow. He endured the cross. Disregarding its shame. Because it was a shame for death to die on the cross. And, and he looked past the shame and saw joy. You know, he looked past what he had. It wasn't easy now, but he looked past it and saw the joy that everybody else was going to receive because of his work. We are his joy. Because you keep running, you bring him joy. Because you don't quit in your race, you bring him joy. And so therefore, that's why we look unto him because he is the one that established this victory for us. He is the one that won the victory. He is the one now that is the champion. And if we want to be like a champion, 
we got to live and act like them. Don't live and act like Bolden. You live and act like he is the champion. Now look at this. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding the shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne at the right hand of the Father. And he ain't just sitting there to be sitting there. The Bible lets me know he's sitting there interceding for you. He's sitting there praying that you keep running your race. He's praying that you don't quit, that you don't turn around, that you don't stop because you lost sight of him and now you don't stop running your race. Now, I'm not talking to any of you in here today because by virtue that you're here today, I'm going to assume you're still running. But you know that there's some people out there who have stopped. And you need to encourage them to get back in the, get back in the race. Don't stop. Don't quit. Because once you stop and quit, then you're going to start going back. Just like these people on the verge of, some of them to give up the faith because they were suffering so much persecution. So many things were coming at them. And in the midst of all that stuff coming at them, he was encouraging them to keep on running. If you keep moving, you can move out of some of your storms. Sometimes your storm lingers so long because you never move out of it. So therefore, you sit there and wallow and whine and cry, and the storm is still raging when all you got to do is just start moving away from your storm. Oh, God. Now, look at this. This is what he tells them. Think. So when you're going through, don't think about you. Think about him, what he went through. So he says, now, when you're going through, think of all the hostility he endured for sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. You start thinking about you too much, you're going to quit. Amen. So he's saying, instead of you thinking about you, think about him. Focus on him and all the things he went through. Replay that in your mind over and over and over. See what he went through on the cross. See how the beat down he got for you. See all those things and let that be a motivation for you to keep on running. So then you won't become weary and give up. You know it's easy to want to quit when you get tired. Amen. Most of the time when we get started getting tired, that's when we want to quit. But I heard great runners say, man, that's when you got to let your mind outrule your body. You got to tell your feet you can make another step. You don't have to quit right here. You got to tell your arms, you know, you can swim, you can make another stroke. You don't have to quit right here. And what some of you need to do, you need to start talking to you in a more positive way. Say, hey, you don't have to stop right here. You can take a... And if you can't talk to you, go back and look at that crowd of witnesses that's looking down at you, pull one of their testimonies, and let that be a strength for you to keep on... To keep on running so that you don't get them up. Yeah. He says, look here. Adrian, this is what he says. Adrian, after all, you have not yet given your life, lives, in your struggle against sin. I could have picked anybody here. Lisa, stop whining. You ain't given your life for the cause. You ain't been there to no cross. 
for the call. You, you, you ain't been crucified. You, you, all you maybe be going through somebody talking about you. Ain't nobody took you out and, and, and hung you all because of the, nobody cut your head off because of the, and, and we got people who whine and cry like they're really being persecuted for what they believe, and all they got is somebody talking about them. Shut up! Stop crying. You, you're killing everybody's spirit, crying about something. Cry when you're really going through something for the Lord. Man, somebody talked about you and said, oh, come on. You better get over it. You ain't enduring nothing to death. Come back and see me when they got you out there on the stake and been to cut your head off. Then you're going to get my attention. All this little petty stuff we crying about, y'all need to. I forgot they putting our stuff on radio now, so I got to watch what I say, Coach. You know, sometimes. Because on radio, they don't get the effect of what's going on here. And I can sound like I'm just, you know, having a mad rage by myself. And don't know y'all right there with me. So you just need to tell some folks, man, look here. It ain't that big of a... Your life is not on the line. You can't let every situation that come in your life become a life-threatening situation. Because everything that happened to you is not necessarily threatening. I hope that helps somebody. You done took a toenail issue and made it a life-threatening issue. You just need to file them down. <laughs> you need to file them down. Cut them down a little bit. They'll fit in your shoe. You just. They don't come here. Oh, I don't know how I'm going to make it through. Cut the toenail down a little bit or get a bigger shoe. You're going to be all right. Got everybody praying for you for 24 hours for a toe. You ain't suffered unto death. Amen. Man, he's trying to put it in perspective. We've got people leaving the church for a toenail. Giving up on the Lord. All because of a little toenail offense. All of a sudden. Toenail. That wasn't in my notes. So nobody come here. Why you had to write that? It came right now on the spot. Toenail. And if you got some toenail issues, I didn't even know you were going to be here. So don't come back at me later. Come back. <laughs> How he going to get up there? The Holy Spirit know your toes need clipping. <laughs> let, me, let me move on. Let me move on. Let me move on. Let me move on. I forgot I'm on radio. They're going to think that they don't even have serious church over there. They just, but anyway, let's go back to our text. Let's go back to our text. Let's go back to our text. In, in the book of Luke, chapter 11, let me bring it into context for you now. Uh, because it's important for you to understand that Jesus had been asked by his disciples earlier uh, for him to teach them how to pray. And what precedes this is what we call Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer. Matthew's version is a little bit long and a little bit different, but they, Luke hits some of the same high notes that Matthew hits. And so that's what you're going to find in the first four verses uh, of this particular chapter. And then after he finished that, 
Jesus always had a way of trying to make things plain to people, Amen. trying to make things clear so the people understand. So then he started to teach them about prayer by telling them a little story. Because they asked him, Lord, teach us how to and he taught, you know, our fathers who are in heaven, hallowed be thy name, da 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 da, da all the way through. Then he says, now, let me bring this into focus and see how important, so that you can see how important prayer is and how sometimes you're going to have to persist your way through when it comes to prayer. So even though this analogy is about a friend who didn't open the door, it's really talking about how persistent you need to be when it comes to prayer. Y'all follow me so far? Look at verse 5, Luke chapter 11, verse 5. He says this, Then teaching them more about, somebody say prayer. prayer. He used this story. Suppose, it's his story, so he can tell it however he wants to. Suppose you went to a friend's house. Friend's house. A friend, somebody you got relationship with. Somebody that you know. You know, you know, like a homeboy, homegirl. You know, on the street, you know, you went to your dog's house. You know, everybody don't get the honor of being your dog. Hey, Amen. I used to thought that that was natural, but you know, somebody said, hey, man, that's my dog. I mean, that's my... Everybody don't get that, Jesse. You, don't, you know, everybody ain't your dog. Some of them just puppies. You know, but you got your, your dogs. You're right, you're right or die. People that's going to be there for you when times get tough. That's my dog. That's my homeboy. You know, we got some things on. And I guess the young boy, that's my dude. That's my dude. You know, I don't know. I don't never call nobody no dude. We call each other brother, but we ain't call no dude like that. But, that, but that's my friend. See, I wouldn't have knocked on a stranger's house at midnight. You don't know who you're going to meet when you're knocking on a stranger's house. But at midnight, I would figure I can go and knock on my Finley, you're my friend. And I will figure I could come and knock on your door at And once you know that it's Pastor Bolden down there, your friend, you ain't going to say, well, hey, I'm already bed down for the night, Pastor. I, I, you, know, I, you know, I had a long day out down that base. They worked my hard. I done bedded down. I got to be up at 5 o'clock in the morning, and you knock it at midnight. And, and I know you're my friend. So I, and I know you just don't want to get up because you don't know how important this knock is to me because it ain't that important to you. So therefore, because it's not important to you, Finley, you don't want to be inconvenienced. So now I got to go out of my way to attack your lack of wanting to be convenient for me in my time of... So I'm going to beat louder on your door. Finley! Hey! I'm going to be so loud, Finley, I'm going to start waking up your neighbors. Hey, Finley! I'm blowing the horn. Bah, 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 bah. The neighbors going to start over. And see, once you start getting embarrassed, when you look out the window and see all the neighbors' lights still come on, you're going to get up. You're going to get up. Because if you don't get up, somebody's going to call 911. So you're going to... And what I'm trying to get you to see here is that, look here, sometimes you got to be waking up out of your income... Everything that the Lord wants you to do is not going to be a convenient time for you to do it. Sometimes it'll be a time when you're going to call it, isn't it? I don't hang around like that at midnight. But what if the Lord requires you at 
Will you wake up to do what he wants you to do at? Or you, only you good for prime time. He get me seven to seven. If he come at me at eight o'clock, he might well forget it. Because look here, I'm off the clock. Don't bother me, Ed. But I'm your friend. Brother Rody, I'm your friend. I didn't know friendship had a time limit on it that I could only be your friend from seven in the morning to seven at. I thought once you put me in the friend category, that means I got a right to be able to inconvenience you when I am in need. I'm not talking about I just want something. I Good God Almighty, y'all better get this. So he was trying to teach them. He said, a friend, well, let me go back. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow. Somebody say borrow. I'm not going to keep it and not pay you back. I just want to. Friend, I just need to borrow your car. Can I just get it for a couple hours? I just need to. You, you ain't going nowhere. Can I just borrow your car? And some of y'all call folks friends, but you won't let them. Well, if, you, if they're not worthy enough to borrow your car, they're probably not worthy enough to be in your friendship circle. <laughs> I want to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine, uh-oh, I am the common denominator between two friends. Don't mean that both friends Good God Almighty. <laughs> but they know me. And because I know both of them, then I got to be able to act like a friend to each one of them. And so therefore, I got this friend who's come to town that's hungry. And it's impolite for me to receive guests in my house and not prepare a meal for them. But I don't have anything to give my friend, so I go to my other friend who can help me meet the need of my friend who came in town and I'm expecting that friend to honor our friend. He don't even need to know the name of the other friend because he know me. So he says a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out of his bedroom Family, don't do me like this. Don't bother me. But you're my friend. Don't bother me. The door is locked for the night. But family, you ain't got no family like that right now, so I can't use you. If some of y'all got kids, I'd get somebody who got some children. You don't put them to bed for the night, and then all of a sudden, pastor come knock on your door. Hey, man, you, do, you, do you know how long it took me to get them little rascals to sleep? And now... <laughs> And back then, you know, these kids didn't all have their own bedrooms. They were all sleeping in the same room, probably the same bed space. So now you get up, you're going to wake up these other two little rascals. And when they wake up in the middle of the night, they're going to stay up till in the morning. And now you want me to get up and come get you some bread, and then I got to come back and deal with them? But you're my, you my friend. You shouldn't mind being inconvenienced all because we are friends. 
our friendship should override you being inconvenienced by having to possibly wake up your children. He says, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night, and my family and I are in bed. I can't help you. Well, yes, he can. Because if you couldn't help me, I wouldn't be at your... So he's letting us know here now, when you need help, you need to go knock on the door that can help you. Amen. You need to know how to get access to God who can help you because he's not going to be busy. He ain't going to be putting Jesus to bed. He ain't going to be putting the angels to sleep when you knock on the door. You can knock on his door anytime. And if you don't think he hurt you the first time, you need to. I can't help you. Apparently, he don't understand what my need is. And see, what friends ought to understand is this. I would not ask you for something if I didn't. I shouldn't have to say to you, I need it. You should know me well enough to know that I wouldn't even ask you unless I needed it. I'm not looking for you to meet my wants, but if you can help me meet my you ought to understand that. And so when we go to God, we shouldn't be taking to God everything we want. We ought to be taking to him our. Now look at this. He says, but I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, long enough, I don't know how long is long enough, but to me, long enough until he get up. If he insists on staying there 15 minutes, I'm knocking for 15 minutes because my need didn't go away after 15 minutes. And I ain't leaving this door until my knees are, I'm not getting off my knees, God, till my knees are, I'm going to labor over this prayer until I hear something from you. I'm going to stay here until you tell me what I need to do. God, you're going to show me something. You're going to reveal something to me. I'm not going to just knock and say, well, he's too busy right now. No, I'm going to persist until I get an answer. And then I'll come to the conclusion that maybe no answer is the answer. But I ain't going to just knock one time and think that he is too busy to meet my needs. Because he is the one who can meet my needs. He says, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever. Somebody say whatever. Yeah. Whatever you, what the next word is. You got to make a distinction between your needs and your wants when you go to God. Yeah. A lot of things that you don't get is not because he don't want you to have it. You just don't need it. Uh -huh. And we have a tendency to ask God for stuff that we do not he says, he will give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Last verse. And so I tell you, keep on asking. Somebody say, keep on asking. And you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking. Somebody say, keep on seeking. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking. Somebody say, keep on knocking. And the doors will be now, Jesus was not giving us a, a formula here to say, hey, we can go to God and anything we ask for, he's going to give us. But we got to understand what we ask for must be consistent with God's will. Jesus even had to learn this lesson for himself. 
If you remember when he was in the garden facing death, he didn't want to die. So he persistently went to God three times. And each time he said, God, if it's your will, let this cup pass. Not one time, Ernestine. If it's your will, let this cup pass. Third time, if it is your let this cup pass. But God says the cup is not passing. I must bring your will and my will in agreement. And I'll say, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. So I'm not going to get embarrassed by going back to God three times, four times, five times, until I hear him say, hey, look, that's not my will for you. Then I got to say, nevertheless, God, not my will, but your will for my life. So I encourage you today, when you pray to God about something, be persistent. Stay persistent until he gives you an answer, until you realize that he's telling you that what you're asking for, you don't really need. But you won't know that if you believe that, oh, I asked him one time and he didn't answer me. He's just trying to see do you really want it. You know, and I tell you, some of y'all give y'all kids like that. You heard them the first time. You, Mama, I want that. They're in the store, they point at, I want that. You heard them, you just kept walking. They come in, Mama, I want that. You kept walking. Now you get up at the register, they pull it on you, embarrassing you. I want that, I want that, I want that. Now you don't want the cash register to know that you embarrassed. So guess what you do? You go back there and treat that want like a need. And now I had the ability to give it to you when you first asked. But now that I see how persistent you are about this thing, you, you don't follow me all over this store asking for the same. You must really want. Some of your kids done got what they needed all because they was per They needed it the first time they asked you, but you ignored them. You don't need that. You got five of them. You don't need that. They know they need that sixth one. And that sixth one got the upgrade. <laughs> I need that one. That sixth one gonna take me another level. You don't understand. I, in order for me to compete with the guys I've run with out there, I, and I ain't leaving this store. So I get it. Some of you gonna have to do that with God if you really need something. You're going to have to stay with him till you get him. Yeah. You got to be. Look at somebody say, never give up. Never somebody give up. say, keep pressing on. Keep pressing on. keep pressing on until you see what the end's going to be. Amen? Amen? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. I'm done. <laughs> hallelujah. 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 I got several appeals for you today. Several appeals. I truly hope that you've been blessed by Jesus' example and the things that were said today.